you're listening to the Leaving Inside Out podcast and I'm your host, Toks Aroturi. This is episode 26. Thank you for tuning in to the Leaving Inside Out podcast where we believe God had a purpose and created you to fulfill it. Episode 26 is Life Isn't Black or White. Sister, brother, how are you? What have you been up to? How have you been? It has been a whirlwind of a week for me. We are making major changes to our business. So we're rebranding, relaunching, changing our model. And it is all very fun, but also very scary because it's just such a brave, bold, scary step that I've taken to change the direction of the business. And while I'm confident that it will work, I see the sign of growth, which is fear. Fear always comes before growth and it doesn't disappear until you take the step. Didn't mean for fear and disappear to rhyme, but it happened. (laughs) The last couple of months really have felt sometimes like being in a pressure cooker. But this particular week, some of the steam was released. So first of all, I accepted that our October slash November deadline will not be met. And we're now looking at January next year. As much as I wanted all of this to be done this year and get into the new year, starting, you know, with all of what 2020 has shown us, I realized as I accepted that when you accept a weakness, it is liberating on all fronts. That happens when you recognize that you're facing a situation which you have no control over and your inability to handle things anything at all does not make you inadequate it's just a situation and situations do not define us the second release came when i hired a new member of staff because we're growing and i am on cloud nine i took a picture of her new workstation and i'll be sending it out on Monday to my mailing list, along with a personal backstory to that table or to why a desk is symbolic for me. And it is significant because there was a time when all of my business fit onto a small desk in a tiny, poorly lit corner of my home. I shared my physical business journey in episode 21, which is called recognizing the signs of growth because a time came when I could no longer work from home. I felt stifled, staring at the same wall, no window, (laughs) no space to think. My kids were younger. I had a toddler that was tearing off wallpaper from the walls the minute he discovered he could do that. And I remember going to a church near me asking if I could just come in once or twice a week to use one of their rooms. And they said, no. (laughs) I walked away with tears in my eyes. I was having a pity party because I had 
a tendency to launch into victim mode from time to time back then, but soon I plucked up the courage to rent a desk, not too well, but probably about five miles from my house. And so seeing this gorgeous new yellow desk and chair is huge for me and I'm beyond thankful. Today, we'll be talking about the negative effect of labels because I have been trying to make sense of this desperate need we have as humans to fall into one of two camps. It would appear that there are no more gray areas when it comes to opinions. I don't know if you have been as riled over it as I have or if you have noticed it. I'm sure you have because it's it just seems like in every situation, in every field of life, people can have one of only two opinions and oh, it's getting on my nerves. Years ago, I was privy to a conversation between a man and a woman. The woman was complaining about her son and his wife to the man. And the man said to her, why don't you talk to them? They're good people. To which the woman promptly retorted, so I'm the bad one. You know, that really stuck with me. I've never forgotten that conversation because obviously to this woman, it meant that you could not possibly refer to the other party as good without it meaning that she was bad. And that just seems to be the way the world is going right now. I don't know what it's called. I'm sure there is a psychological or sociological term for it, but I don't know why this is the case. (laughs) I have never been a Beyonce follower or fan, not anyone's fan, but I love some of her songs and I have them on my Spotify playlist. I love Love and Top. That's my favorite song by Beyonce. (laughs) I'm not a member of the Hive. I don't know all her songs. I don't follow her story because I've got four sons. I've got one husband. I've got a couple of growing businesses and then I've got me to look after. So we just don't have the time. However, the day I took notice of this woman was when I was watching an interview with her or of her rather And she revealed that she would often rehearse until her toes bled. Hmm. I'm inspired by excellence. I'm sure you are as well. Not because I often achieve it, but because I strive for it. And my key strength happens to be the appreciation of beauty and excellence. So I get moved to do great stuff when I can see excellence being demonstrated. And this can be in music or the art or business or just watching someone doing their own thing, you know, working on their craft and creating something amazing out of it. It doesn't matter what it is. When I heard about Beyonce and her toes, I talked her in the back of my mind for future exploration because I knew the day would come when I will do a full-blown research on her. Think Wikipedia, YouTube, documentaries, articles, Forbes, everything. (laughs) Because you can't rely on celebrity gossip for information. 
And that day came on the 18th of April, 2019, which happened to be my birthday, with the release of her homecoming documentary on Netflix. As I watched, the level of respect I had for this woman just kept rising. She demonstrated what happens when you have a picture in your mind and then work your body like crazy to make sure that that picture is manifested. So I write and speak about this aspect of faith as I learn about it, but she has embodied it so well. Can I just say that faith is not an exclusively Christian practice? Faith is a universal truth. It is believing in something you don't see, then taking action so that it becomes seen. This is a human act and we see it every day because architects use it. They have a picture in their mind. They put the building on paper and a building is eventually erected looking like what they had in their mind. Makeup artists do it every day. Novelists and doctors practice faith. Every time you believe in an unseen so much that you create it for it to be seen, you are walking in faith. Now, faith that Christianity is built on refers to believing in a God that you cannot see. And that takes a faith that's not reliant on, you know, your money or anything you can imagine. This is a spiritual faith and it saves and it's born out of the grace that's given by Jesus Christ. So Beyonce had a very clear picture of the performance, the Coachella performance, long before it happened. And she set out to create exactly what she wanted it to look like. She knew her body needed to be in a particular state so she could deliver when she got on stage and she got her body to that place. I mean, if you haven't watched it, I implore, beg you to go watch it. She also knew the outfit and that the, her troupe would wear, not just the color, but down to the stitching. She said in the documentary, I knew what I wanted the stitching to look like. Now, because I work as an interior designer and I deal with fabrics and soft furnishings, I get that. And that really spoke to me. She knew the exact height and shape of the pyramid uh, structure that would form part of the stage on which her performance would take place. And she also knew she had the opportunity to showcase black culture beautifully before the working world. The reason she had a clear picture of all of this was because she used her imagination, created a vision of what she wanted, and she just went on and just copied what was in her mind in the physical. And that picture was so clear that even before it was manifested, she was able to zoom into the costumes to see the stitching people. I called everyone I would normally discuss life lessons with and asked them to watch it. We were all in agreement, actually not all, most of us were in agreement because there were one or two people who couldn't stand her and they couldn't even attest to what she had done well. So here I am, thinking, oh, you guys are missing the point. Listen, can you at least acknowledge 
her tenacity, her hard work, her discipline. We have to agree, even if you don't like her. Mm, can't stand her. That was what someone said. And then I tried again, refusing to learn the very obvious lesson being offered to me for free. <laughs> I'm not a beehive member, as I said. I am completely neutral where she's concerned. I am not a fan, or let's say I'm a non-fan. I'm not a hater either. But let us at least agree that she has done well. Mm-mm. No, someone said to me, she's involved in the dark arts. I want no part with her. So in a sense, it meant that if you don't like somebody, you can't possibly learn from them. That's what these women were telling me. I had a similar experience when it came to Michelle Obama. Not her, <laughs> but I, of course, went to hear her speak first at the South Bank Centre in London and a few months later at the O2. And I'm inspired by anyone who challenges me to be more of myself or more of who I know I'm capable of becoming, but I'm dragging my feet about becoming that person. And you know those people who, after reading their works or hearing them speak, you tell yourself, I better go and sort my life out. Those are my people. They are my inspiration. And inspiration does not mean that I join a fan club or start dressing like the former first lady. It means I drop everything that is not a part of the picture of my life and I go and face what I'm supposed to be doing the way they are doing what they should be doing. I've heard people say, I don't know, I just don't like Michelle. She doesn't do it for me. I don't see what the hype is about. Sis, bro, this isn't about hype. This is about cherry picking any nuggets that you can from someone, anyone, even the homeless man on the street, and using that knowledge to propel you forward. I believe there are secrets all around us. In our world, hidden in corners, under rocks, embedded in the walls. But if you are only looking for that which you like or is attractive to you, or the stuff that stares your emotions, then you will miss every single secret that life is offering you. You may not like a person, but can you learn from them? Now, we know that what we see on the outside isn't always congruent with what lies beneath because there are people who are excellent in their craft but horrible to be around. As a child, my favorite author was Enid Blyton. I loved everything she ever wrote. I didn't even long for another author's books. I wasn't interested in anything else. I mean, who remembers the famous five, Secret Seven, <laughs> the children of Cherry Tree Farm, the twins at St. Clair's, Mallory Towers, the Magic Faraway Tree? I can go on. Seriously. Enid Blyton is to blame for my love of reading and writing. And if I could do my childhood all over again, the only thing I'd do differently will be to squeeze in even more books. <laughs> so 
her stories, if you're not familiar with them, were centered around imaginative worlds of fairy tales and magical lands, but also fun and enviable adventures with real people, like the famous five who carried out <laughs> detective work. The stories featured English traditions like scones and cream, lots and lots of teas. You know, these are the people who would have tea um, as opposed to lunch or dinner. Adventures in the woods, playing in the meadows, seeing bunnies and kinds of fun animals just popping out. And, and you know, we're transported for hours into a completely different world that was just idyllic and magical. Now, her granddaughter released a memoir 30 years ago that shattered any illusion of in its family life reflecting the cozy, idealized world of her fiction. At one point, Imogen writes, the truth is, Enid Blyton was arrogant, insecure, pretentious, very skilled at putting difficult or unpleasant things out of her mind, and without a trace of maternal instinct. As a child, I viewed her rather as a strict authority, and as an adult, I did not hate her, I pitied her. These are the words of Imogen, her, her granddaughter, completely different from the world that she painted for us. Because what was going on in the outside world that she created was very different from her real life. And it is even said that she wasn't a kind mother, quite unlike the loving mothers that she portrayed as characters in her books. Her children did not have that life experience that we had the joy of experiencing when we read her books. I hold no judgment towards her because I believe we're all a product of our environment and our experiences. We don't know what experiences she had as a child. We don't know what her growing up was like that led her to not love her kids the way she could have or should have. Maybe it was those negative situations in her life that led her to create the worlds that we got to fall in love with. My point is that no one is perfect and no one is pure evil either. I mentioned last week's podcast that my friend and I were having a conversation about accepting that people really are who they show us to be. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Maya Angelou. One mantra that my father has repeated over the years is, man is basically good. Here's where I stand. I believe we are good and bad. I believe we are made in the image of a good God. We are endowed with talents. We're beautiful. We're amazing creators and we can do great things. We produce beauty. <laughs> but I also believe we can be mean, spirited and downright wicked. For all we know, Hitler may have been an amazing uncle to his nieces or maybe a good son to his mother. Yes, he was an evil demon-possessed man. But he may have been a great father. I don't know. I don't think he had kids. He may have been a great son. He may have just been able to produce beauty as well. 
played the keyboard beautiful or the piano really well. Maybe he had a great voice and could sing so well. We don't know. But you see, the whole idea is allowing yourself to admit that the people you dislike have some good qualities and that the people you really, really like are not perfect after all. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to like qualities in a bad person. And it's okay to dislike behavior in a person that you love. This mindset of life not being black or white is helping me deal with people that I had written off because they were toxic or if the person in question had a behavior that I couldn't stand. I'm learning not to write off a person completely, but rather identify the threads that I don't agree with and then keep it at that or keep a boundary line there. And because we are not perfect, there will be instances that all we see of someone (laughs) are their flaws. And it doesn't mean that that's all there is to them. It only means that's what we can see in that particular moment. So now I find myself doing a 360 degree view on people that I would normally stay away from and permit myself to have a relationship with them, excluding the be and draw a boundary line, if you like, around the behavior that I don't agree with, or permit myself to not have a relationship with them, but at the same time, not write them off completely. And just recognize that they are great people or they're a good person, but they are not good for me. So that's focusing on the behavior or the personality or the character, as opposed to literally just throwing someone off completely. Because I think that it becomes difficult to love a person if we label them as unlovable or completely bad. For example, a person can be loose-lipped, yet be an excellent advisor when it comes to your business. So you know not to discuss intimate details of anything with them, but you also know where to go if you needed something that they had. I had to adopt this mindset when I found myself starting to act like some Americans. Sorry, my American brothers and sisters, but I've got to say it the way some Americans do during the elections. It is all or nothing. They seem to think they're at war. (laughs) Republicans versus Democrats. My first experience of this was in the great state of Georgia when I lived there. I was in conversation with a member of my staff and somehow it segued into family relationships. I asked her what her relationship with her mother-in-law was like. And she goes, oh, um, she's great. I have a great relationship with my mother-in-law, but she can't stand my sister-in-law, which was her other son's wife. Why? I asked her. And she goes, oh, well, you know, she's Democrat. I'm like, "Uh, why? Because I knew I didn't hear well. And she repeated herself because she's Democrat. And I said, okay, so this is not a personality or character issue. This is purely political. And Nikki explained to me that the Republicans have a set of beliefs that are opposite to the Democrats' beliefs. And for me, British girl who had never 
seen a Conservative Party member and a Labour Party supporter fight for that reason alone, I was flabbergasted. I still don't understand why they act like they're tribes at war. I find too that people who support one party tend to support all of what that party does and they explain away the bad and they shout about the good. So when I come across a Christian who is a supporter of the current US president, number 45, I don't begrudge them because everyone has a right to support who they want to support. But it is when they start to paint him in a different color from who he really is, that's when I start to draw the lines. He is against abortion and he once held a Bible, so he's a Christian and he is called of God. I had someone once say to me, he's called of God. I'm like, yeah, and everybody else wasn't. (laughs) I'll have way more respect for you. If you said you liked A, B and C, but went on to denounce D, E and F about him. The other point is that you find that people who support Trump have nothing good to say about Biden and they can't say anything good about the other side and vice versa. Why do people feel that they must vilify the other side to drive home their point? And it's even not just about driving home their point. They genuinely don't like the other side. I don't understand it. I think that we act like it is all or nothing because of the dissonance we experience each time we agree with something that a quote-unquote bad person does. I recall Mrs. Marquis, my great-aunt, who by now you've become familiar with, if she didn't like something about you, that was it. She'd just take that one red stain and spread it all over you. You were done. Pablo Escobar was the richest criminal in history. He was a Colombian drug lord and at the end of his life, he was worth over $30 billion. His story is fascinating. The risks he took, the intelligence behind his strategies, the brilliance with which he executed his crimes would leave your mouth wide open. He single-handedly introduced cocaine to the United States, like every crack addict, every cocaine addict that you see have Pablo Escobar to thank them for bringing it into their country and specifically of the US here. I watched an interview with his son who has since changed his name and moved to Brazil, I think. And what was fascinating was his son saw Pablo possibly the same way we see our own fathers a normal, hard-working, loving man who was devoted to his family. Can you say that about a drug dealer? And can you agree that if I say Pablo Escobar was a devoted father, can you agree that I don't mean he was a good man or that he was perfect? And I don't mean he wasn't a drug dealer. Can he not be both at the same time? I don't know what's going on. The world has become bipartisan. I needed to write a business article for an organization and sent it in. In the article, I referred to my clients and called them mothers. (laughs) They came back to me 
and politely asked that I change the word to parents. So basically, I cannot talk about one gender without referring to the other one. And if I don't refer to the other one, then I'm not being inclusive. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible says, I have engraved you in the palm of my hands. God has a complete picture of you, not the flawed one that you see yourself as. So when he looks at you, regardless of what you're up to, he sees that beautiful person. He doesn't see what you consider to be flaws or imperfection. I also believe that in your name is everything you were created to be. So every time someone calls you, anyone at all, they are declaring you are complete. You are enough with your flaws and all. How we see ourselves matters a lot. You cannot afford to view yourself through the filter of the imperfection you believe you have or the one they have told you you have. Because if you are only looking for positive traits with which to describe yourself, then you are neglecting and avoiding to deal with a significant part of yourself. It also means that you will not be able to handle your own weaknesses and you will therefore only make choices that require you to use your strength and choices that will celebrate and affirm your strength, which means that that mindset stops you from growing. It is so important that we become comfortable with seeing and acknowledging the good and the bad in people and not seeing anything wrong with that because we are imperfect anyway. The only person that's perfect is Jesus. We are not perfect people. So why do we shy away from accepting our own imperfections or accepting the imperfections of others? A person who is flawed also has amazing qualities within them. And that is okay. That's what makes us up as humans. So... (laughs) I will be taking a four-week break from recording the Living Inside Out podcast because I need to take some time out to regroup and to attend to some areas that desperately need my attention. I'll be back on Friday, the 13th of November, a spooky day. Thank you so much for the time you've dedicated to listening and sharing and reviewing this podcast, you inspire me greatly. I am still very much on social media, so we can connect at Tux Arutere. Have a wonderful rest of the week, and I'll talk to you soon.